1: I am so honored and delighted to have today Justin Goodman of White Coat Waste. You have breaking news. You are dedicated. Your mission is stop cruel, senseless, wasteful animal experimentation. You have just scored a major victory ending monkey experiments. Tell us all about it, Justin.
2: Sure, thanks for that kind intro. It's always a pleasure to be here and none of our victories would be possible without you. you were, you've been a true believer since the beginning and we're very grateful for that, Jane. Well, uh, my- for the past few years, we've been working to end experiments on primates, cats, and dogs at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, we've gotten legislation enacted into law that directs the VA, for, this is the first time this has ever happened in any federal agency, directs the VA to phase out dog, cat, and primate testing by 2025. But of course, we're not happy with that. We want it to happen sooner. So we've been putting pressure on the agency to wrap up these experiments before that deadline. And I'm happy to report that uh, just last month, we learned that the Minneapolis VA, one of the last primate labs in the entire agency, has ended early. It's brain experiments on monkeys where they were uh injecting monkeys brains with pcp also known as angel dust to cause hallucinations that would mimic schizophrenia they were then drilling into these monkey skulls to, to uh, put in restraint devices so that they could strap them in chairs and mobilize them and make them watch uh tv screens and see if they could follow what was on the screens uh, these experiments had gone on for years they cost taxpayers seven million dollars they were scheduled to go on for even longer Uh, and to, to, you know, waste more monkeys' lives and more money. And they ended these projects early, thanks to the support of our 3 million members across the country and members of Congress on both sides of the aisle who were putting pressure on them.
1: That is a huge victory. And I am always, like, shocked and ashamed of my species when I hear about these absurd experiments using our tax dollars It's completely um, beyond my comprehension why torturing monkeys by drilling holes in their brains and and injecting them with angel dust is somehow gonna help us humans. I'm a recovering alcoholic with 26 years sobriety. I can tell you that addiction is a spiritual problem with a spiritual solution. And there are programs that work for people who are addicts and it has absolutely nothing to do with torturing animals. We're not monkeys. We're not primates. You know, primates don't have dealers. They don't have drug dealers. It, it well, just... the primates
2: in government labs do, and they're called, we call them white coats, and they, they, we pay their salaries. It's sickening.
1: It's sickening. We've got a caller. Sarah, your question or thought for Justin Goodman of White Coats. Hi, white. can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Hi, Sarah. Can you hear me? Yes. I wanted to ask you, my concern would be, people that are going to universities, I think most of them do not know that so many of universities and colleges test on animals and primates. And I'm not going to name them, but I wanted to find out, are there places that students can go to of like a directory or someplace that says, you know, I'm going to attend this college, but I want to find out if it's an animal-friendly college, if they do animal testing or whatever, like maybe they want to go to a college in Texas or Georgia. How do you find out what colleges test on animals and how to get them to stop doing that and then not give them, you know, patronize their universities? Thank you. Great question.
2: Yeah, that is a great question. You know, unfortunately, you're absolutely right that virtually every university of some size, uh, not only the biggest ones, but medium-sized and smaller universities as well have animal labs. Uh, And some of them are very secretive because if you just experiment, not just, but if you experiment only on mice and rats in a laboratory uh, under certain conditions, you don't have to be reporting that to anyone. So you might be doing that totally in secret without the knowledge of the government or certainly students at the university. There are resources online uh, through a number of different organizations that you could go and search uh, your, your, um, your university of interest to see what they're doing there. Unfortunately, like I said, it's going to be most colleges and universities are using animals in experiments. And the federal tax dollars are paying for that in almost every single case. Um, so they're not relying on student uh, tuition for that. Um, but they are relying on tax dollars. So even if you don't go to a university or college, we have a say in what goes on because we're the ones paying for it. You, me, Jane, and anyone else listening here, we're the ones footing the bill for those experiments. So the best thing you can do is let the government know you don't want to pay for that at any university, regardless of where you are. Um, but if you do go, end up at a school, a big school or th- that has an animal group, certainly that's a great way to raise awareness. And it's a great issue to raise awareness about.
1: Yes, and we attend protests all the time at, uh, well, for example, UCLA. There's a major anti-vivisection protest at least once a year at UCLA. We've got another caller, Marie on hold. Your question or thought for Justin Goodman of White Coat Weights Project. Thank you, Jane, and thank you, Justin, for taking my call. I just want to make a comment that um, I read the information and been listening and I'm ecstatic that the European Parliament is taking steps to end animal testing for good and all of the uh, progress that you guys have made with White Coat Waste and there's a petition and I just want to ask everybody to please sign the petition and join me in sharing this out so that we can help push this forward. A lot of times these things happen and but it needs the momentum of the public to continue forward and to get it
0: done so I'm just urging everyone to do that I'm so excited thank you thank
1: you Marie Uh, yes uh, let's talk about this breaking news regarding the European Parliament and there's many headlines the European Parliament votes yes to a future without animal experiments Uh, this is a PETA article but there's uh, dozens and dozens of articles about this but I was also reading the um articles written by the pro vivisectors and they were immediately strategizing about ways to basically stop this in its tracks so give us the big picture how big is this vote that just occurred uh, by the european parliament vis-a-vis animal experimentation justin
2: this is huge this is the first acknowledgement By major nations, that animal experimentation is wasteful and needs to be ended. I mean, certainly we haven't seen anything like that over here. So the the, uh, European Parliament voted; uh, it was a nearly unanimous vote, six hundred and sixty something. I think the opposition was in single digits. Um, So this, the overwhelming support in the European Parliament to endorse what they're basically what this is is they're saying we need a plan in place, a responsible plan in place to phase out all animal experiments. Now, the EU got rid of animal testing for cosmetics a long time ago, there's some controversy over that right now, but they did that a long time ago, even the United States hasn't done that yet. So this is another step, this is saying not just cosmetics testing, not just product testing, but all animal experimentation. So medical experiments in, in university laboratories like we were just talking about, uh, medical training, anything you could think of that's happening in an animal in the laboratory would be affected by this plan now. It has to go. It would now go from the European Parliament to the full EU, and the EU has to vote on this. Uh, Take this under consideration. So there are other steps it has to, over other hurdles it has to overcome. But this is widespread acknowledgement by the EU Parliament that animal experimentation has to go, and that's huge progress. No matter how you look at it, no matter what happens.
1: Let me ask you about the pandemic and animal experimentation. Uh, For Some, it seems as if it opened the door, like, world's in crisis, we don't care anymore, just bring in the monkeys so we can start testing this, that, and the other on them. Um, Was it a big step back in terms of basically providing a justification for those who make money off this industry? And I know that monkey breeding facilities are a money maker. This is what they do to make money, uh, not not so much to save the world.
2: Yeah, you know, animal experimenters never let a crisis go to waste, unfortunately, and they've certainly uh, circled the wagons and used COVID as an excuse for more animal experimentation on primates and other animals, um, saying that we this is evidence we need more animal experimentation be, to be able to. Uh, create treatments for COVID and other illnesses like it. Uh, We know, of course, that that's going to be a big waste of time. Those experiments are doomed to fail. It's not going to get us where we need to go. Um, But unfortunately, the government loves funding animal experimentation. So not only have they been using lots of primates in experiments for, and other animals, guinea pigs, primates, hamsters, ferrets, uh, not only are they using rats and mice, not only are they using these animals, but they are looking to ramp it up as well. Um, because they, you know, they're, one of their biggest tools is fear mongering. They're going to convince the public that if they don't torture animals, that they're not, we're not going to have cures for diseases. And that's simply not true. There's no evidence of that. Um, there has been some silver lining though, uh, in the in, if we look at the COVID pandemic, these are the animal experimentation, and that's that we were able to fast track some of these vaccines uh, the chief medical officer of Moderna, who I think many or most of the people, if they've gotten vaccinated and are listening, received the Moderna vaccine, the chief medical officer of Moderna said very early on, we don't think we need to be doing animal, animal testing to get this into humans. So we were able to fast track some of these vaccines past animal experiments. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the animal testing happened then concurrently with the human trials. Um, but that is proof that we can take. Uh, drugs that were developed. um, We can take drugs and get them into human trials uh, with some confidence that they're going to be safe and effective without undergoing the long and expensive and inaccurate process of animal testing for the FDA.
1: So let me ask you, because when I was reading articles about the European Union uh, voting uh, on a plan to say yes to a future without animal experimentation, and I went on some of the um websites that are pro vivisection uh the industry websites they kept saying well there are caveats uh when an alternative is developed that's effective and of course we know that there are some uh experiments for which there are no alternatives that have been developed uh, who's monitoring all this and who is holding this accountable because when you read that, you get scared and think, oh, we don't want to get into a false sense of complacency. Oh, yeah, great news. We don't have to worry about that anymore. When they're scrambling like crazy to make sure every single loophole will allow them to continue this barbaric and medieval industry. And I keep saying industry because that's what it is. I mean, it is a ginormous industry, the laboratory monkey breeding facilities, the grants that these people get. uh, It's it's easier. Correct me if I'm wrong. To set up a science project where all you have to show is, well, 50% of the animals died. You know, it doesn't require that much uh, imagination. Um, so it's it's an easy fallback for a lot of these experimenters, who basically they live off the grant money. That's their that's their bread and butter, so to speak. So. Um, yeah, maybe you could just get a little bit into the weeds on what the what is going on behind the scenes of pronouncements like this.
2: Yeah, you know, the uh, unfortunately, the animal experiment experimentation industry, and I think what you say is exactly right. It's an industry. It's a money making industry. It's profit driven. Uh, the U.S. government alone spends twenty over twenty billion dollars billion with a B. 20 billion dollars a year in our tax dollars on animal experimentation. And that money goes to colleges and universities who take a chunk off the top just for overhead. So colleges and universities profit significantly off animal experimentation. That's why they like it so much. They don't care about the animal testing part of it. They care that they get to take 25% off the top of these grants just for infrastructure. Um then you have the people who breed the animals, the people who transport the animals, the, the companies that make the bedding for the animals, the companies that make the food and the cages. It's it's, a, it's big business. Um, and they look for any excuse possible not to stop. And that's why when we get into these areas when when there's caveats like only when an alternative is available, there's things that there don't need to be alternatives for. We don't need an alternative to uh, running dogs on treadmills till they have heart attacks. I mean, there's no alternative for that, and we don't need it. Um, And the list goes on and on. A lot of animal experimentation is just stupid and wasteful and can just stop without having to have some replacement for it. So we do get into a sticky territory when it's, well, okay, well, we're going to end animal experimentation, but only when an alternative is available. It's not like a veggie burger where you can have a one-to-one replacement. You have a hamburger, and then you have a Beyond Burger. Uh, Science is more complicated than that. And unfortunately, the opposition takes advantage of that and will convince you that if there's not an alternative available, they have to keep torturing animals, which isn't the case.
1: Uh, Of course, the irony when it comes to the pandemic is that it's our toxic relationship with animals in the wild that brought the pandemic on. Now, of course, there were many different theories uh, about exactly how it started, but The overwhelming likelihood is that it started in a wet market that it first cropped up there because uh, um, that's uh, similar to what happened with SARS in the early two thousands and that it started with bats and somehow went to like pangolins and then ended up in this, one of these slaughter markets where there's blood feces guts and uh, it's just horrific. And uh, so that's killing animals. But even if you believe the lab theory, what were they doing in that lab? They were taking bats from the wild and they were experimenting on them. So either or, it comes down to animal abuse. Do you see a tragic irony in, let's say the lab theory is true? Just we, you know, It's always like, we'll never know. Of course I believe it know. is.
2: I believe it is true.
1: You do believe it is and, true.
3: That's and interesting.
2: Politi- and polls by Politico and The Hill that were done in the last month show that a majority of Americans believe that land leak is the reason why we have COVID.
1: So uh, that would be that there is um, a strain that emanated from there, but the original source would be the bats because I I was watching the experimenters talk and they they talked about going into the wild and taking bats, ironically, to experiment on them, to understand (laughs) pandemics, And if so, they They did one one in the process.
2: Yeah. Lab leaks are very common. Uh, There's hundreds of lab accidents a year. Uh, At least the last five, I think, SARS outbreaks we had came out of labs, not out of the wild. And if you look at the lab leak theory here uh, that people are concerned with right now with regard to COVID, you're exactly right, Jane. This was people going in the wild, messing around with wild animals, bringing them back to a laboratory, and doing reckless experiments where they were actually supercharging these coronaviruses to make them more dangerous and somehow they got out
1: and that is a theory i want to emphasize that um there are other theories you know the 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 first theory initial theory was the wet market which is a slaughter a retail slaughter market in wuhan china this other theory emerged and i think at this point uh there is no um final determination. And we don't even know if there is going to be a final determination. But what what I say is, one of the things that nobody really talks about is either way, it's our abuse of animals, either abuse for food or abuse for animals in the laboratory that brought this upon us. And that is one thing that nobody wants to see, because our entire economic system Is based on death for the animals, disease for humans, and destruction of the planet. And that's not me talking. That's a a famed uh, systems analyst and engineer by the name of Dr. Silas Rao of Climate Healers. We're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook.
0: get unchained tune in every monday for jane unchained on the voice america influencers channel
3: Channel.
1: We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: We are here with the amazing Justin Goodman. He is one of the most effective um uh, advocates to end animal experimentation in the United States, in the world, working with White Coat Waste, which is a uh, a nonprofit. Also, you have a 501c4 arm, which is a more political arm. You go into the halls of Congress and you try to talk to people about why spending billions of dollars killing millions of animals is really counterproductive. Um, What's the reception on Capitol Hill? Because one of the things that I was very, very pleased to see is that you, you often get bipartisan support in in an era where nobody can agree on anything on either side of the aisle. You have bipartisan support, according to your Instagram page for some of your
2: initiatives. We have bipartisan support for all of our initiatives. Um, You know, Tax, uh, taxpayer-funded animal experimentation is something that everyone should care about, whether they care about animal welfare or government waste or both. So we really have something for everyone. And it's a nonpartisan issue. It's It shouldn't be a politicized issue. And we're trying to, you know, make sure that it remains that way. So we work with members of Congress on both sides of the aisle. We don't have a litmus test. You know, we We're not concerned with their positions are on other issues. We're concerned with what they think about taxpayer-funded animal experimentation. And thankfully, a lot of them, if not most of them, are unhappy with the way the government is spending its money when it comes to animal experimentation, are willing to sign on to pieces of legislation, uh, advance funding bills that restrict animal experimentation, and in some cases, cut off funding. I mean, we're working right now, we were just talking about the lab leak theory, we're working to cut off the NIH funded those experiments. Jane, I mean, you didn't mention that the US U.S. tax dollars paid for those experiments in Wuhan that may have caused the pandemic. Um, so we're trying to make sure that never happens again. And we have bipartisan support for that, too. Uh,
1: it's, it's very interesting, and it's sort of a, a vortex if you get into that whole subject. Obviously, there's been very dramatic hearings regarding that. But What you're saying is it is a fact that U.S. government dollars went to the Wuhan lab. And the Wuhan lab is something that is being investigated as either suspect number one or suspect number two in creating the pandemic that we are experiencing right now. And uh, so, look, uh, one of the things that I think is so effective, we're talking to Justin Goodman of White Coat Waste Project. They have a huge victory. They just got the Veterans Administration to end horrifically cruel, barbaric, medieval, and useless experiments on monkeys, drilling holes into their brains, giving them PCP, which is angel dust, to study schizophrenia. When there are so many people who are experiencing schizophrenia who could tell you a little bit about it and you could talk to them, okay? You could work with them. And when it comes to any kind of addictive behavior, first of all, I don't even get the angel dust schizophrenia connection. Maybe angel dust causes schizophrenia. So they try to give them angel dust to cause them to have schizophrenia to see what, to see if they can make choices on a screen afterwards. These are, if you put this in a movie, people would say this is too crazy. And yet these scientists are coming up with these experiments and because they're scientists, uh, they, they get away with it because people don't look at the fine print. And some people who really want to end, genuinely want to end uh, terrible things like diseases and mental illness end up giving money to fund these things because they don't look at the fine print. Before you give money to any organization, do look at the fine print and ask them, are you experimenting on animals? Because if so, you are throwing your money away and I'll give you, this is how defensive they are. I will leave the name out of it, but many years ago when I was a local news anchor, I was asked to host a walk uh, for this cause, a nonprofit raising money, very big name, to um, uh, stop a particular disease, okay? And I said, well, yeah, I'd love to have lunch with you and just chat about it, but yes, I'd love to be the leader of this march. So during the lunch, I said, I'm just curious, like we're raising funds. What is the fund, uh, what do the funds go for? And then I asked a follow-up question. I said, do you do animal experimentation? By the time I got back to the office, I was disinvited. Disinvited from leading the walk. They didn't want me to lead the walk because I asked a couple of questions. That was 20 some years ago and I'll never forget it. I was like, wow, if you even ask a question, do you do animal experimentation? Hasta la vista, buddy. We want nothing to do with you. Because they're so defensive. Because even these organizations sometimes become money-making machines and people get, there's tremendous overhead and there's huge salaries. So be careful before you give your money. Ask questions. And if they don't want to provide the answers, that's a tip off. So um, let me ask you, uh, the Power of Freedom of Information Act requests. White coat waste is um, amazing because you find a horrific experiment like you did at this VA hospital where they were drilling holes into monkeys' brains, depriving them of water, injecting them with angel dust. Tell us the process by which you got the information and how you're continuing to do this to stop other experiments. And by the way, in the intro to this video, if you're either watching it or listening to it on Voice America Radio, there is a petition that you can sign to stop all similar experiments at the Veterans Administration. Continue on, Justin.
2: So what we, our model is, we call it FED, not only because we work on federal policy, but we use that as an acronym for FIND, EXPOSE, and DEFUND. So we're con- we have a team of researchers who's looking through government databases, looking for grants that have certain keywords in them, like primate, like addiction, Uh, canine, they like to use words, you know, they they don't like to say dog, so they'll say canine or canis familiaris, they'll use the genus species name. So we're looking for grants like those, and then we submit Freedom of Information Act requests. Now, as American citizens, we all have a right to know how our government is spending our money, and there's a process by which, it's called the Freedom of Information Act, we call it FOIA for short, there's a process by which you can write any federal agency in the entire government And ask them for documents related to a particular program, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be animal experimentation, but for these purposes, it is. Uh, So, we ask for things like veterinary records for animals. We ask for purchase orders for animals to see how much these agencies are spending to buy these animals in the first place. We ask for grant applications. We ask for videos and photos. And sometimes, these people doing these experiments, not only are they torturing animals, but they're videotaping it. And we've been um lucky is not the word but fortunate for the animals that we'd be able to expose some of uh what's happening to them in laboratories with the videos that the experimenters themselves took um we did that a few years ago at the food and drug administration was using monkeys in nicotine addiction experiments where they were uh basically they had these jackets strapped on them that would infuse alcohol uh sorry infuse nicotine every time they pressed a lever uh, we got videos of those experiments and soon after they were shut down because of the outcry from the public about how the fact that we were spending five and a half million dollars to addict monkeys to nicotine, those monkeys are now at a sanctuary. Um, so this is oh, wow. a that's, offered- that's,
1: that's such a huge victory. And, you know, we're dealing with staggering numbers of animals being used. But I want to ask you an emotional question. When you have that kind of victory and, you know, I don't know how many monkeys were saved when you expose that horror and that nonsense, but um, what runs through you and what powers you? Because I can't imagine a more difficult job. No matter how many animals you save, there's a line of millions of animals right behind them that are being tortured as we speak. How do you keep going? How do you get up every day? Do you experience burnout? Do you, because you, you, you are dealing with the worst in human nature. These are, my opinion, sociopaths. I think they need to do psychological testing of anybody who wants to go and be an animal experimentation, experimenter. I think it, it attracts sociopaths in white coats who, uh, who, who enjoy sadists, who enjoy inflicting pain. There's, there's no other explanation for it. Coming up with these crazy experiments that don't accomplish a damn thing year after year, decade after decade, doing the same thing. And so I think you have to be mentally disturbed to participate in it. One of the ways that you find a lot of these experiments are whistleblowers, people who are there for a summer job cleaning cages and they look and they go, this is evil. I'm looking at evil. And they they blow the whistle. Uh, But how do you do it, Justin?
2: So I've been doing this for 15 years and at times it's more difficult than others. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's always easy and that you can just compartmentalize things because sometimes it's not. I've, uh, you know, I've had until recently, we had two dogs and two cats over the past few years. They just from old age, they've passed on. Um, But I always think about if this was happening to them, what would I be doing? I wouldn't be sitting around doing nothing. I'd be doing everything in my power to stop, uh, stop them from being ab- tortured and abused. And that's, that's how I look at this. I mean, the animals in the labs are no different than the animals we share our lives with, share our homes with, share, our, share everything with. Um, and they deserve to have people fighting for them to stop this abuse. So yeah, certainly it's hard. And I think part of it is being practical and realistic about what we can change. I mean, it's overwhelming. If you think about 100 million animals in labs, that's an overwhelm. That's staggering. That's an overwhelming number. That's what we're talking about in the United States. is probably about a hundred million animals in labs. You can't and in- you can't even picture what a hundred million animals is. None of us can. Um, but I think if we we look at this strategically and we say, well, if we take down this lab at this agency, it's going to have an impact uh, and it's going to trickle down to these other agencies. Um, that's how you have to pick your battles. So I think it's about being strategic, picking fights you can win and making progress and then building on that progress. Because I've certainly worked on campaigns before. I think everyone's worked on campaigns before where they feel like they're going on forever and you're not getting anywhere. Um, but for every campaign like that, there's there's another one that you can choose that you're going to be able to make progress on. You're going to be able to build on that momentum. And I think success begets success. And that's how we operate at White Coat Waste. We, you know, we, we win a fight and then we try to use that momentum to win the next one. Uh, But sometimes it's hard. Watching these videos is hard, no matter how many times you've seen something horrible. Like we, you know, I've seen in labs hundreds of times, mice being decapitated or monkeys who have had, you know, implants on their heads or um, dogs being tortured. It's always horrible. It's always difficult. Um, But knowing that you can do something about it and you have the tools and the resources available to actually make a change, um, that certainly makes it easier to bear.
1: Um, So, What are some of the, I know people literally, you know, people can't hear this, they can't watch it. So that's another challenge you have. It's like, it's so difficult to look at these images. I just posted one just announcing that we were going to talk to you and just looking at the monkey in this cage with the, uh, it was, it's just like it takes you down. It it just almost, it, it just makes you feel like, what is wrong with humanity? You know, it just makes you question everything. Like, what is wrong with humanity? I mean, you know that uh, I think all this is going to go in a torture museum one day. Like, you go to Europe and you see medieval torture museums and you walk around and you say, oh my God, humans did that. They put people on a rack and they stretched them out till they snapped. How is that possible? Well, look what they're doing today to primates who are our cousins who, who share most of our DNA. And yet, experimenting on them does not help. Medical science when it comes to humans. Spell that out for people who are not familiar with why um, animal experimentation is useless. And I always use the example, I love chocolate. A little too much, by the way. If my dogs are allergic to chocolate, if a dog ate chocolate, uh, they can die. Uh, I love grapes. Dogs can't eat grapes. I love avocados. dogs. I mean, feeding a dog avocados to see what happens to a dog is not going to help me. Uh, but take it away. Give us another perspective on that or another. No, one. I
2: mean, listen, you I, I, you don't need me here. You know, you know, <laughs> you're doing a great job on your own. Uh, listen, I mean, those things are, are the are the rule, not the exception. When we talk about the differences between how different species react to things, you know, chocolate, avocados, grapes, 90 percent of drugs that pass animal tests that work in animals, when they go into humans, those drugs go into humans, they fail because they don't work. Either they're ineffective or they're dangerous. They actually hurt people. They even, you know, in some cases, experimental drugs kill people because animal tests said they were safe and then you go and put it into a human being and they fail. 90% of those, that's 90% of the time, that's what happens. So wait, let me
1: just say this. That would to me say, stop animal experimentation, okay? Like 90% of the time, it doesn't work, it doesn't apply, anything else, if you said 90% of the time, if I got in my car and 90% of the time it did not drive, I would get a new car, what possible justification are people using at the National Institutes of Health and uh, the CDC and the FDA and everywhere else that they're torturing animals and the VA? Why isn't that enough?
2: It's institutional inertia, Jane. It's what they've always done. It's what they're comfortable doing. and it's hard to break that cycle of abuse um, and waste because that's, you know, it, unfortunately it's just been going on for so long. So what I think, you know, the, the movement is, has done a great job of doing is showing that there's other ways to do science, not only how wasteful this is, but that there's other ways to do science that's going to get us to where we need to go even faster or more efficiently. And, you know, an example of that are these organs on a chip that have been developed. These are things that are the size of your thumb uh, fully functioning miniature human organs that they build out of ethically sourced cells and tissues, and they can model diseases and test drugs in there. And when they compare the results of those organs on a chip to results from dogs, mice, monkeys, and other animals, they see that these little organs on a chip are more effective at predicting what happens to people than animal testing.
1: And it's obviously cheaper.
2: It's you cheaper, can- it's that
1: faster.
2: No ethical issues. Every time
1: I go to the vet, I get out there. It's a mortgage when I leave, you know? Uh, And uh, this is so much cheaper. So...
2: It's It's hard. It's frustrating. And I can see it in your face. And this is what I wake up every day to. (laughs) It's frustrating when when all the facts are out there and you feel like people are not listening. Um, But that's why we work with Congress because Congress can make agencies listen. They can... You know, use a little bit of the force they have, the influence they have, and say, we don't care that you don't want to do this. You're going to do this. And that's what we've seen at the VA. The VA is now saying it is fully committed to ending the use of dogs, cats, and primates in experiments by 2025. I mean, they didn't want to do that. Congress made them do it, and now they've adapted and evolved, and, and they've taken it on as, as a project to 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 meet that deadline. So it can happen. It can happen. It's just we need to find the political will in Congress to make it happen.
1: So we're going to take another short break on Voice America Radio. We always appreciate Voice America Radio, Andrew, and our executive producer, Tacey Trump, for allowing us to have this conversation. Um...
2: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: Influencers Channel. Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Influencers lead, but on Twitter,
1: they also follow. Check out what the influencers are saying and talk back to us with your great ideas. Follow the Voice America Influencers Channel on Twitter at VA Influencers. That's at VA Influencers and join in. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: you are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to Jane Unchained News at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: We are here with Justin Gibbon of White Coat Waste, the White Coat Waste Project. Uh, they have achieved a huge victory ending horrifically cruel and horrifically stupid experiments on monkeys where the Veterans Administration was drilling holes into monkeys' brains, injecting them with angel dust to see whether this might give them some thoughts about schizophrenia. If you made that up and you put it in a movie, people would say that's ridiculous. you got to rewrite the script. Nobody would believe that. But that's what our tax dollars are forced to subsidize so that faux scientists can live in McMansions, okay? And can drive around in their fancy cars. It's follow the money, always. And, uh, you know, I went to NYU and every so often they will call me about getting involved in this, that, and the other. And I always say, I will never be involved until you end animal experimentation. Click. Um, People who have uh, money who are alumni can say, I'm not going to give. Uh, any kind of a grant to the university or uh, any kind of funding, unless you stop animal experimentation, we need to rise up because there's usually a small cluster of powerful people in these institutions that are basically steering the ship. And they're the ones making money off it. And they're the ones who don't want to change. Um, And so what are your strategies for dealing with uh, universities?
2: We don't bother dealing with universities directly because and there's a practical reason why. It's because by the time the money's already gotten there from the government, the checks are cashed. It's too late. Got it. We try to cut off the money before it gets there in the first place. Colleges and universities are getting billions of dollars a year for animal experimentation from the federal government. So we try to attack uh, the problem at the root, which is the government spending that money in the first place. Now, we do one of the reasons why, you know, and you got to this right before the break. One of the reasons why it's so hard to stop some of this is there's a staggering lack of accountability and transparency where not only Congress, but I think at even a lot of these universities, people don't know what the hell is going on. Students don't know, faculty don't know, administrators don't know. And what we found is there's an epidemic of secrecy where federal law actually requires that if you get tax money for an experiment and you put out a press release or you write a blog post about it, you have to write that it was funded by the federal government and exactly how much money you spent so at any time you're reading about some crazy animal experiment you saw on the news and used to find the press release for that it should tell you at the bottom that you paid for it and how much money you spent but we have found that universally colleges colleges and universities we've and we've specifically looked at ivy league schools none of them are complying with these rules so it's very hard to determine that some of this stuff is funded by taxpayers uh, and it's hard for members of Congress to even determine where where, where the funding is coming from when they oh, see. Isn't
1: that out. a lawsuit? Isn't that a lawsuit right there?
2: Well, unfortunately, there's no uh, enforcement mechanism in this federal law, so you're supposed to abide by it. But we're working on a bill called the Cost Act, the Cost Openness and Spending Transparency Act, that says, okay, you've got to report this information, and if you don't, you can have your funding cut. Um, Because to date, there's been no penalties for for not uh, abiding by the law. Um, But so for colleges and universities, we're trying to create more transparency about how the money is spent, because we heard the very first caller on the show wants to know what's going on at colleges and universities. How do we find out? Well, the universities are bragging constantly. They're going to conferences. They're sending out press releases. They're putting stuff up on their website about all the interesting experiments they're doing. Well, they should also be telling you that they're using animals and how much they're spending on it, but they haven't been.
1: So uh, there's a new generation. When I was actually, Jane Unchained News covers the protests outside UCLA. Actually, they go all the way through UCLA and they go right up to the laboratories and stand outside the laboratories where the animals are being tortured inside. And you see a lot of young people who are obviously... Uh, in the study of medicine you can see with what they're wearing uh and their level of interest is there a new generation that is coming up that is opposed to animal experimentation or are they just going along with the same old same old uh because it's very hard to tell when you see students walking by and looking are they looking with skepticism are they looking with interest um, are they are they afraid that, oh, you know, I won't be able to follow my career if I become uh, an animal advocate?
2: Well, I think, you know, this brings us to something you were talking about earlier, which is how you become someone who experiments on animals. And, you know, I've said for years, I mean, when you ask a second grader what they want to do when they grow up, no one says, I want to give mice cancer and decapitate them for a living. I mean, you're, that's something you're taught, you're socialized to do. And it happens in school. It slowly starts in school. When you dissect animals, you become desensitized to using animals as tools for science. Then maybe you get to undergrad in college and you work, you get a part-time job or some research assistantship in an animal lab. And you're already kind of comfortable with it because you dissect it. And that's part of science. And before you know it, you're drilling holes into monkey's heads and injecting them with PCP. I mean, that's how it happens. But If you look at public opinion and the direction it's going, a growing majority of the public opposes animal experimentation, particularly young people. And there's already, we're seeing, you know, a younger generation of scientists who are saying no to animal experimentation and who really want to focus on uh, developing and using modern research tools that don't involve animals, like things like organs on a chip that seem much more modern- And uh, just a more 21st century way of doing science rather than something that was literally has been happening for you know, 2000 years ago. Animal experimentation started 2000 years ago is when people really started doing it for science. So uh, it's, it's outdated. It's archaic. It's not serving our needs anymore. And young people who are able to think outside of that are saying, let's look for a more humane way to do this.
1: So what is next on the horizon for White Coat Waste? And by the way, support White Coat Waste. Uh, it's an incredible organization. I also uh, pitch into White Coat Waste because I think they're very strategic and they go right to the heart of the matter. It's one thing to beat your chest in March. Yes, that's all good. And I do it. But it's another thing to actually talk to members of Congress, as you do, uh, and get them to support legislation to wipe this out and wake them up because, my gosh, imagine if there was some kind of hearing. It, you know, When we see scandal, when we see things going wrong, they hold hearings, okay? There's a hearing. There should be a hearing into animal experimentation and all these ridiculous experiments. That's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see one of the members of Congress who are working with you say, you know what? enough this is like there's too many of these crazy bizarre experiments we need a hearing a congressional hearing and we need to bring these people to the desk and televise it on c-span and ask these experimenters why are you doing xyz what's your justification how many years have you been doing it you know there was that famous experiment where they were scaring baby monkeys and, oh, uh, yeah, we got the video of that, yeah. yeah. Tell tell us about that one. And uh, again, that was Freedom of Information Act, right?
2: Yeah, we used the Freedom of Information Act. We had to sue the government, actually. And we got videos of experimenters who've been doing this for over 30 years scaring monkeys. They give monkeys brain damage to damage a part of their brain that processes fear. And then they would lock them in tiny cages, chained up by the neck, and then bring uh rubber uh mechanical snakes and fake spiders into the laboratory and show them to the monkeys the monkeys like humans are inherently scared of them just to measure the fear responses of the monkeys and these monkeys are cowering in their back of their cages trying to escape they can't because they're in this tiny cage and experimenters are just you know observing, watching it watching these monkeys freak out and doing nothing about it and it's been going on or at a cost of over $40 million to taxpayers over decades, hasn't done a single thing to improve human health, uh, yet it's continued to get funded every year.
1: It's still happening? I thought they, they ended that one.
2: Well, there's a different, there's another version of it that's still happening.
1: Well, I would say that that's a scandal. I mean, how could anybody justify that for 30 years doing that? And which agency is doing that?
2: The NIH.
1: The National Institutes of Health. And so well, you're members of Congress who like you, you, what your work and who understand that this is idiocy, this is medieval, this is barbaric, this is a scam. It's a scam, okay? That's making people wealthy. Um, why don't they, what can, what, what can they do to stop that? I would think that would be like a, a headline.
2: Well, we were, it was last year. Well, when we first exposed that, we worked with members, this is pre-COVID. Uh, we worked with members of Congress to, I'm trying to think of the exact month, but uh, we worked with members of Congress who asked the NIH questions about this in a letter uh, and followed up asking for a National Academy of Sciences review of this, and that process is ongoing uh, to, to secure that review. But that's not exactly a, 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 um, a congressional hearing, but it would be an objective review about why we're wasting money on this stuff. But. You know, the ending the primate experiments at the Minneapolis VA, the only reason that happened is because we were able to rally members of Congress to take action and put pressure on the VA. So when you see these changes happening, yes, they're happening because uh, you know, bad media coverage and all of that, but they're really happening because we have 3 million members who are making a lot of noise and contacting their members of Congress and letting them, I want you to, I want to see you do something about this. And fortunately in a lot of cases, members of Congress are willing to do something about this. We're in touch with congressional offices every single day talking to members of Congress, letting them know that their constituents want to see change. And I think you know, like anything else, the change is happening more slowly than we'd like, but things are moving in the right direction.
1: So, uh, last question, because we only have a couple of minutes. Politics makes strange bedfellows, and you've said that you have bipartisan support for um, all of your initiatives. Here we talk about we're in a crisis, people are losing their homes, they, um, you know, students are overwhelmed with debt. What, what about talking to some of the super progressives about just why is this money being spent when it could be spent to help people who are uh, literally hungry, who are literally homeless? We have a homeless crisis. Like, you wanna help people? Help people. Um, Obviously, the homelessness has skyrocketed during the pandemic. We see it here in L.A. We see it. It's all over. It's in L.A., San Francisco, New York, everywhere. And those are people who clearly need help. Now, a small percentage of them may be schizophrenic, but I assure you that those primate experiments that have been going on for decades that you finally ended are not going to help those people. They need a roof over their head. They need therapy. They need perhaps some of them need to be institutionalized. Uh, if they're incapable of functioning and be medicated. But um, I would think that the progressives um, could make this an issue coming from a totally different point. I mean, not even arguing the nuances, just like these experiments are ridiculous. People are hungry. People are starving. People are homeless. Let's divert the money to that.
2: Uh, I agree with you. They should. Uh, I should hire you as a lobbyist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that you know The problem is with, with with people who are super progressive is that they also trust scientists a lot and these scientists abuse their authority and will tell you that people are going to die if they don't do this and so you get into a you know people who would otherwise be on your side or sometimes will fall under the spell of some of these people and say well these these people the nih tell me they're saving lives and who am i to say that they're not um so it's, it, you, you know, it's, it becomes difficult.
1: Have they, with this, with the monkey torture that they did for schizophrenia, have they documented, have they proved a single life, named a single person whose life they saved?
2: No, of course not. Of
1: course not. So, I mean, there's your answer. Show us well, one person yeah. who has been yeah. saved by these experiments. Well, we're out of time. Justin, I could talk to you all day. You are my hero. And I just love your attitude relentless, you just keep going, the energizer bunny for animals. <laughs> uh, I'm just so blown away by you and Anthony Bellotti, your uh, colleague, uh, the founder of White Coat Waste, who started the whole thing because he got a job in a lab and was horrified.
2: That's and right. uh,
1: so I, I urge everybody, sign the petition, support White Coat
2: Waste. What's the website? whitecoatwaste.org and at whitecoatwaste on all social media platforms.
1: All right. Thank you, Justin. We will talk soon.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Belez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time and 10 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Influencers channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.